There is three of us huddled here in the Pioneer Bivouac, here to talk about the new format. I'm Josh. I'm Nick. My name is Brett. And we got some new cards. Uh, we've got some cards we want to talk about in this brand new format that is blowing our minds and we're devoting so much time to. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, I, I have real life things that I'm supposed to take care of. And there's this whole new format. It's very distracting and very exciting. And there's like a bunch of standard tournaments coming up that I'm just not prepared for. A lot of magic going on locally <laughs> for, for the first time in a while, and that feels pretty nice. Yeah. So, I've been jamming this format on Magic Online. I know you have, yeah. uh, Brett. But, Nick, have you played any of the format yet? Or I, have, just... I have actually played exactly zero of this format. Okay. But you, you played a lot of Frontier. Yeah, I played... I played Probably too much friendly. <laughs> yeah. Would you say you're the expert in pioneer in the Alber in Alberta? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm the expert in anything ever. Like, well, I feel like you may have been expert by exclusion of everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when you're the only person doing something. Yeah, you're just going to be the best, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how it works, right? Yeah, now we've got to shift that pioneer knowledge, or frontier knowledge into Pioneer. So we've made some lists of cards that we think are defining the format right now. Or at least for the moment. <laughs> and we're going to see how long some of them last. I think some of them are definitely safer than others. Okay. Do we want to start at the bottom of the list or the top? Well, does anybody My list have... isn't even ordered. <laughs> do, you, do you guys have honorable mentions? So with honorable ten mentions, with ten cards, you still have honorable mentions. Of course, <laughs> that's. Uh, I mean, I that would require me to have had a list of more than ten cards. Okay, so I'm gonna say. Actually, I'll give an honorable mention. Jace Vrin's Prodigy. Oof, not defining. I will honorable mention. <laughs> I have two cards that are honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Teferi Time Raveler. I accept that as being an honorable mention. And Emery. Emery is sort of on my list. Okay. Apparently my list is garbage because <laughs> all of your honorable mentions are on my actual list. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with the bottom of my list because I have Cruise and Day get 10. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's... Gonna be... So, I originally believed that the Delta Spells would be good but not great. The more I have played this format, the more I think that the people playing these cards are going to be trying to break them. There aren't if people are playing this card in a generic controlling mid-range shell, they're not great. If you're playing uh, certain other cards on my list, like uh, Arc Light Phoenix, and you're just trying to cast a large number of spells and you're filling your graveyard, these cards are broken. I think if you see a Phoenix deck that takes over the format, we're not going to have Dig or Cruise for very long. I also think that, like, I've played against a couple decks that have built their deck for it, and I think it is really powerful in those decks, but there's there's a fine line between building your deck for a card and making it good, and building your deck for a card and making it much worse. It's also worth considering that the value of Dig and Cruise drops considerably when you don't have fetch lands, right? Yeah. That's really what's sort of changing how we look at these cards because we just have all of these new interactions because every time we've played with these cards before has been with the, those lands. 
that part specifically is why I kind of believe it's not going to be a card that is broken in these fair mid-range decks. However, once you get into the combo decks of this format, these cards can't last. I think all of the combo decks of the format take a little bit too much advantage of these spells. For example, um, I'm going to just jump right into my next card on the list, unless anyone else, anyone else no, wants to no, see here. No, uh, Dig, Dig was on the bottom of my list. <laughs> Jeskai Ascendancy? Yeah. That card is a, that's a card that's going to break Peter yeah. Cruz. Yeah, okay. entirely. Uh, we have access to Emery plus Mox Amber. There, it's actually fairly trivial to make infinite mana with this deck. Yep. Yeah. And Dig Through Time, or so, both Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise are ways of finishing the game, or like providing those last couple pieces to, to lock the game up. And speaking of Mox Amber, that's number five on my list. Because okay. I have lost to both Jeskai Ascendancy versions and uh, versions playing Kethis combo with Mox Amber. Okay. And though I think Mox Amber is one of those cards that is just going... People can play fairly with playing like one mana Gideon into like... Or uh, the... Zergo? Zergo and two mana legends that are powerful like Carry Zev and stuff. But sure. I think those mid-range shells are just going to be trounced aside by the combos that is going to come from that card. Yeah, I don't yeah. really like the idea of playing mid-range at all in this format. I, I associate Monk's Amber with Jeskai Ascendancy. I think that specific combo deck actually looks pretty good. Well, it's like, it's um, super fast. You can turn one in Emery, right? Yeah. I I have some, uh, some disagreements about specifically how fast it is. I think that there are answers to it in the format, but I do think that it is powerful. I Personally, I think the card that truly pushes that deck is Emery. So yeah. I guess me saying Jeskai Ascendancy is a little bit incorrect. I think Emery is the card that really pushes that that deck forward. And yeah, Emery is like number four on my list or something ridiculous. And yeah, those that specific archetype I think has some legs in this format. Yeah. Speaking of combo decks, on number three on my list, I have Sahili Felidar. Interesting. So... In the way that I think that is the Splinter Twin of this format, for one reason. Mm -hmm. It plays a really good control game, and then you have these four cards in your deck. Mm. I specifically, I think that that combo deck is not particularly good, with the possible sole exception of the Prime Speaker Vanifar versions, uh, which yeah. I haven't mm -hmm. had enough experience with or against to, to feel I have a more definitive answer to that, but I think outside of the Prime Speaker Vanifar versions, you're leaning too hard on your opponents not being able to just kind of kill you. Uh, you don't really have a lot of interaction in the early game that is, is particularly relevant, and I think that the combo itself is fairly telegraphed. It's not... Mm -hmm. it, it is very difficult to set up a six-mana cast both spells without interaction, and it's very difficult to untap with either half of the combo on the board, Felidar Guardian, Guardian being quite a bit easier than uh, Sahili. So I, I actually am less excited about that combo, I think, than most people are. The lists that I've seen that have been doing well are playing Teferi to prevent interaction from the combo, mm -hmm. main deck Deafening Clarions to mm -hmm. slow down decks, uh, cheap uh, removal like wild slash and stuff in the early game which is doing 
very good at just playing a control deck. Yeah. And then getting to the late game and being like, I have a way to win. My, my specific concern being that I think that each individual element of that deck is requires you to put to get put a planeswalker or a Felidar guardian into play that is essentially unprotected or is relatively easy to handle because you know Teferi's on one. What is Sahili plus two, four or five? Uh, four. Four. Yeah. So like these are these are cards that are somewhat vulnerable to your opponent just kind of playing Magic. Like it's it's very difficult to throw out any one of these pieces and expect it to kind of stick. Uh, this is the reason I specifically like the the Vanifar versions of this deck. And I'm not sure how much people have seen or, or played against that. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, essentially, it is uh, Vanifar immediately builds you an entire board that mm-hmm. threatens the combo kill next turn. So the the typical loop at this point in time is you you Vanifar, and this is a. Uh, in any order specific like you know you have to figure out where your, your specific chain starts but you go corridor monitor on two mm-hmm. sacrificing to get a renegade rallier on three bringing back your corridor monitor mm-hmm. then you get a felidar guardian from three which flickering the corridor monitor yeah and then you you uh turn that corridor monitor to a second rallier mm-hmm. the, the rallier into a second felidar guardian and then you could turn one of the Felidar Guardians into a Thalia's Lancers, which gets your Sahili. Yep. That specific element, because what you're left behind is essentially a board filled with 1-4s, and then you now have several must-kill threats in both the uh, the Vanifar as well as the Felidar Guardian, and you can potentially stick a few extra Renegade Rallyers in there, like depending on how many copies of cards are specifically in your deck. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's a much more threatening board position because it's a little bit more of a an aggressive uh, aggressive board presence all, all in essentially one turn with a with a Vanifar activation. So I think that's a little bit more in line with what I see. Like it plays a lot more like the old Kiki Pod decks with the Cedar yeah. Arc. Yep. Even then, I've I've heard good things. I've seen stuff. I still have some concerns about whether or not that deck is like the truth. I think the real problem with specifically the four color versions is the mana base. Like I'm, I'm assuming that deck is leaning pretty heavily on like an energy attune with ether package. Uh, some combination of that, but still, any any version of these decks are going to be playing Oath of Nissa as well. Yeah, which mm-hmm. which helps for the Sahili, and it's more of a Bant deck splash Sahili than it is any other colors. Okay. Or and Bant maybe even a stretch because it's more of a blue green deck that is playing some white and very little red. Okay. And I, I think that lets you cheat a little bit. It also lets you put uh, beyond Oath of Nyssa, you can play the Matadorks of this format. You can play your Gilded Goose. You can play the Land Royals. You can play Elvis Mystic all in some, some numbers, whatever number. Sylvan Caryatid. Sylvan Caryatid. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in those lists? Uh, yes, because again, it, it helps with both Vanivar and Felidar Guardian. Yeah. And so it's fundamentally more of a a creature deck with a combo finish akin to your pod decks of old mm-hmm. than it is a control deck that relies on some planeswalkers that don't necessarily have the highest loyalties. I'm also... You know how they talk about the problem with control in modern is there's too many uh, threats? Like, there's too many different axes. Yeah. Is that going to be a problem in this format? For the control decks, at this point... Not, I don't think so because I think that 
the vast majority of the combo decks of the format require creatures. So right. into instant speed interaction with creatures, which again, that's that's a stretch in its own self. The removal in this format is quite a bit worse than in modern. Yep. But instant speed interaction with creatures is probably enough to keep you alive in most situations. So I don't think you have the same issue with control decks. And I think that to me the, the issue with control decks and this is more the control decks of old than it is like the current modern control decks was you end up in these late game positions where you're spinning your wheels or you're killing your opponent very slowly, giving your opponent to just kind of continuously reset and go for it if you if it's taking you four or five turns to kill them. Mm -hmm. Whereas having the ability to kind of pull the trigger and finish them off right away is a pretty important uh, uh, detail to have in your deck because it just... It, you need to be able to control the game up to a certain point and then win instantly. Like, shut the door, the game is over. Um, and I think, specifically in this format, can it, like, we haven't seen very many control decks, and I think part of that is those slow, sort of, grindy, assuring, sort of, win conditions are not really plausible in this format right now. Yeah, there's, I mean, because the big thing is, you know, having, like, a man lands in play. We have, we have the, the worst cycle of man lands <laughs> in the format, so I don't expect control decks to be finishing people with lumbering falls. I, I don't expect to see that happen. Or wandering funeral. Yeah, wandering funeral. Funeral's a real clock, though. It is a real clock. I don't... I would... but It dies to, to a swift wind. So I'm gonna... I'm gonna use that transition. <laughs> say, the reason I don't like funeral is the, I think the premier removal spell in the format is Wild Slash. I don't want to be the funeral deck if, ever, if Wild Slash is in every single red deck. On my list... I have Fatal Push at number two as the premier removal in the format. Oh, I think Fatal Push is particularly bad. I have seen... How are you ever triggering a revolt without Fetchlands? And that's the thing. I, I For the threats in this format, I have seen a couple threes, but most of the threats in the format that I've actually been against and up, up to have been just triggering off Fatal Push by itself. I have seen once a revolted Fatal Push and that someone sacked a clue to turn on so that's actually an interesting point so i guess um i i think that fatal push is a premier removal spell in the format i think that there are simply just more red decks floating around mm -hmm. i think that you're going to see fatal push mostly and there seems to be this like sort of forming sultime mid-ranged uh archetype or that's like the deck that uses black. fatal push the best and but even those decks don't need fatal push because they have assassin's trophy and abrupt decay but those are, those are significantly less efficient. There are a lot of one-drops in this format that are must-kill threats. Um, and they're able, this, these decks are able to use a combination of food and clues to trigger a bolt. Mm. I've even seen smaller quantities of uh, Vraska, Golgari Queen, to sacrifice these excess permanents. You know, essentially, crack your clue for free, triggering right. a bolt, and, and starting to play through this. Because the, the actual... Uh, Planeswalker itself, most permanents in format cost three or less. Like it seems like you're really not going to see a huge number of expensive permanents or creatures. So Vraskal Guard Queen actually fits fairly well. Okay. Yeah, like at the start of the format, I really wanted to play Ramiak Red, but mm -hmm. the more I played the deck, the more I found that Hazaret was just too not, expensive. Well, yeah. Either it it was like a a main deck sideboard card, as I would put it, where it was this card that no one can really deal with. But I, most of the time, I just didn't need it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to, to continue to transition, because I, I hate numbers, <laughs> and I love transitions, 
Um, I think two of the premier uh, threats of this format are Soulscar Mage and Monastery Swift Spear. Monastery Swift Spear is my number one defining card in this format right now. Yeah, I think the most the red prowess decks. Some it depends. Some of them are red white. Some of them are mono red. But these decks are leaning pretty hard into Soulscar Mage and Monastery Swift Spear as essentially the best aggressive creatures of the format. Mm -hmm. With Bomac Courier backing it up as yeah. late game card advantage. And when you have access, essentially, people are playing Wild Slash, Wizard's Lightning, like... Shock. Some <laughs> shock. But, but the thing is, um, creatures in this format don't often have three toughness. Like, it people seems, are playing Naked Shock. Naked Shock. I mean, Wild Slash is basically Naked Shock. <laughs> but they're playing Naked Shock in addition to Wild the, Slash? The Potentially. Deck, I haven't the, seen that one as the, much. But. The deck that I am currently running is running four Shocks, four Wild Slashes, uh, four uh, Wizards Lightning, and four Lightning Strike. Yeah. Like, I, I, you, you do see do you, Wild Slash and Lightning Strike. Do you hate skewering your critics? Uh, skewer is really awkward in this format. The thing is, you're playing a prow... Fundamentally, people are trying to play pr prowess creatures, and so Skewer the Critics being more commonly used as a post-combat card is a little bit of a problem for these decks. You can often, sure, you could potentially Shock and Skewer upstairs to trigger prowess twice, but it, when your Premier Threats in, like, the main... These decks are really leaning into Soulscar, Mage, and Monastery, Swift Spear. You want your prowess triggers. Like, this is, this is how this deck thrives it's it's actually fairly aggressive and i think it takes advantage of a bit the fact that the removal in the spell the removal in this format is fairly inefficient across most colors like it's hard to trade evenly with a soul scar mage you basically have to be playing a, sh a wild slash or a fatal push and you know if your opponent has open mana it's pretty terrifying to throw a wild slash at a, a soul scar mage so. right that that's also why skewer is a little worse because the prowess deck you can just go, okay, I go to combat, attack with all my creatures, what are you going to do? It's like, I have all my mana open! <laughs> Surprise! Okay. Yeah, so th th these decks are like... It, so if we were to talk, we'll eventually get to the, the current front runners in the format. Absolutely, the Red Prowse deck is, you know, top three. Like, that's definitely, I think, settled as the the premier aggressive deck as the format. Of the format. I mean, well, I, we're I say talking that... About, like, Mono Red was the best deck in standard for five years. Yeah. And now all of those cards are best friends with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but well, the thing is that this one's significantly, it feels quite a bit different than the, the Mono Red decks of those formats, specifically because it's such, it leans pretty heavily to Prowse, and we haven't really had several Red Prowse creatures in standard at the same time. The, That'll be kind of the difference. As someone that has played Red in those standards for that entire time, the, the, the closest deck that this resembles is right at the end of... Uh, Dominaria standard right before it rotated there was a wizards deck a mm -hmm. mono red wizards prowess deck running like flame of keld it had chain whirler mm -hmm. as like a backup thing and that deck plays very similarly to this yeah. with early game sort of playing those prowess things that uh the prowess decks are currently running Gitu lava runner which was played in that deck yeah. so mm -hmm. it, it does a very very simple yeah similar Turns job wizards lightning on yeah, yeah. Acts like Goblin Guide sometimes. Yeah. So I mean, hey, I'm, you don't have to convince me too hard. It's it's a card that has some legs, um, and that's something we can certainly will certainly end up getting to. So I'm curious, where are you guys on Oko? I have Oko number seven. On because I have Oko at the top of my list. Oko is why a big reason why 
I believe that, again, if I was to say we're still pre-first deck list dump, but if I was to try and give you an idea of what archetypes I think I'm starting to see form, Oko is a centerpiece of these Sultai mid-range decks mm -hmm. that are heavily featuring Thoughtseize, Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, uh, some number of Jace Rinse Prodigy, some number of Tassiger. Like the, the Oko itself is the one of the reasons this these mid-range decks can kind of exist um, because it's such a potent threat and answer in a right. format that is kind of shaky like people haven't really solidified what they're doing and so it's just a very it's a very nice planeswalker that can uh, play both sides of the field very well and that's that's what you want yeah and the the amount of loyalty it has matters it basically pushes out okay this oko is going to gain some life over the course of the game because yeah. of the, the the foods and making blockers and stuff what is the evaluation for an aggro deck, which is most of the format right now, of like, do I attack this Oko, kill it right now, and spend some, probably a spell or two on it to get that sort of resources down? Or do I go for the life total, which is like 12? I mean, it's the same question people are asking in Standard, except we're just at a slightly higher power level format, and it's just as measurable question in this format. Yeah. I think Oko is... A very difficult planeswalker to both play and play against. I think it's likely going to end up being a little bit too good for the format. Yeah, I can't see Oko sticking around for yeah a it's, year. It's going to come down specifically to how the the rest of the format shakes out. Like how how many combo decks can just ignore Oko completely? That kind of a thing. Well, uh, I would argue not very many. Well, th like how many of their question. pieces get turned into elks? I mean, right? but that, that's that's the real question. Is some some decks are going to be able to to not care about Oko? Mm -hmm. Those are the if if that ends up being a significant enough percentage of the format, I think Oko can say, I don't think that's likely, but it is possible. Like I I played against a deck that went turn two Heart of Kieran, turn three Oko, yeah. and I went okay, how do I beat this? And I never found an answer to that game. I had to go to the no, sideboard. I, and... I think that's exactly the like card of Karen specifically is going to be one of the more difficult cards for those decks to deal with. Um, speaking of something that we haven't got to, that's number four on my list is Collected Company. Collected Company is interesting. Like I'm a company aficionado, I, I like to believe, but I haven't seen a list that's particularly excited me. The only one that comes close and is perhaps worth uh, bringing up again when we get to front runners of the format is Bant Spirits okay. is, is, a, is a deck. So if you look at the Bant Spirits deck of Modern and you compare it, compare it to the Bant Spirits deck of uh, Frontier, it's, a, it's essentially it's the same deck. Surprisingly similar. Yeah. yeah. You essentially lose the two big cards you lose, uh, well, be, beyond the path and ether file, like the, the interaction and, mm -hmm. and, and acceleration. The two main creatures you lose are Drog Skull Captain and Phantasmal Image. Yep. And to some extent, that was a combo anyway. You really yeah. just wanted to be Phantasmal Imaging, Drog Skull Captain, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But what you, you kind of gain back, or you get to keep the rest, and then you gain back a card that I didn't realize was a spirit until it kind of crushed my soul a little bit was Empyrean Eagle. Oh yeah, it's a bird. Oh. It's a bird spirit. I just assumed it was a bird. <laughs> no, I mean, why? Why is it a bird spirit? I who's going to realize that? But 
Uh, and it's like a pseudo lord. It is so, a lord. No, yeah. I mean all your creatures have flying functionally, right? Yeah. Like very, yeah. very little don't. So uh, that specific deck has looked pretty nice. Spell Queller being obviously a fantastic, uh, one a fantastic creature, just as good. Yeah, Spell Queller is. Yeah, especially pioneers. you're going to be playing three fairy in that deck. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spell Queller and three fairy. Hey, I would like to get my spell back. No. <laughs> so I, I think that. Um, Collective Company is a good card. It hasn't impressed me out of anywhere except for that deck. And even in that deck, it's not necessarily been too common. Um, part of it is I think that a lot of people who want to play Company and Company decks in the past are these like three-color decks that are largely splashing Company. Like, you're using Company to get in really powerful creatures of other colors mm -hmm. than green. Yeah. And the three-color three color man in this format is very hard. So yeah. the deck that made me put this on the list was I saw a very, very powerful Elves deck. Because okay. you get Shama the Pack, and you get uh, two good lords, the two mana... One, clan Caller. Clan Caller. And you get the uh, three mana, one fr from... It was one of the core sets. And you get D Dwynen as a, the four mana lord. Which I don't think the deck's really okay. going, to, going to play, but it could be a sideboard option. And you have... Two two elves at one, and yep. Dwynen's elite at two, and you just have all these pretty decent cards coming together, playing a game pretty well. Like turn three company is just always yeah. good. I uh, I can certainly I can certainly imagine it. I again company is still a very powerful magic card, mm -hmm. and that that's not really <clears throat> going to change. I. I haven't seen the same elves deck, so company is not one of the cards I'm particularly worried about at this point. But um, I can certainly picture it happening. So, on the same kind of vein as Clark Company, how do you feel about Rally the Ancestors? That's number nine on my list, and uh, I think that card is really powerful in those aristocrats' combo shells, but at the same time, it's one of those cards that I'm like, okay, I've seen 15 different lists of this. I don't know which one is good. I don't have the resources to go into yeah, this. Yeah, that's kind of a, a problem in the format right now is no. there's a, a billion lists. And but I, I definitely think they're that... They're all slightly different and... Yeah, I definitely think that list could definitely be at the top of the format. Uh, you don't have to convince me too hard with Rally the Ancestors. I think that when I was trying to brew with it a little bit myself, so you have access to Rally Ancestors, you also have access to Return to the Ranks as like a, a secondary card yeah. to provide a similar, if not same effect. And then you have both Zulaport Cutthroat, Cruel Celebrant as uh, your you know sacrifice drain effects. You have Corpse Knight as an enter the battlefield thing effect. Mm -hmm. And potentially, if you want to go in that direction, you have Wayward Zombie as another enter the battlefield sort of drain effect. And when you look at that, like a combination of cards like that, some, something similar to that, if you can kill your opponent when Rally the Ancestors only puts in four creatures or five creatures on these like significantly smaller rallies than you've seen in the past, purely because you could have every single creature matter so much more, uh, I think it can, it can happen. The problem with these decks in my mind is that uh, I don't think you can be not uninteractive in this format. I right. think it's very difficult to be a truly uninteractive deck. Um, there are so many different angles that 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 decks can kill you from that I'm worried 
that rally ends up being uninteractive, but also too slow. Like it can't race the other decks that are not okay. uninteractive. That's why rally is also just not on my list. I think that if it turns out that deck's faster than expected, or you know maybe uh, what I'm not uh, respecting is like kite sail freebooter, mm -hmm. right? Are there how many slightly disruptive, inexpensive creatures can we play to sort of slow the game down such that Rally the Ancestors actually is good enough and, and to, can just win a game on its own? Mm -hmm. uh, for the moment, I haven't seen any standout Rally the Ancestors lists. I think everything has looked just either too slow or uninteractive. And... Uh, you know, I want to believe, but I don't. It's my hope that that deck exists. I'm not going to be the one to do it. No. So, the, the deck that I've lost to the most mm -hmm. uh, is Hardened Scales. Okay. So, Hardened Scales between Hardened Scales and uh, Winding Constrictor. That deck seems very real. We have a lot of X-based artifacts in this format between uh, Walking Ballista... Uh, Hangerback Walker and the new uh, Coil Serpent. Yep. That that I've just played games where they go like turn one Hardened Scales or the implement or the uh, animation module animation or... module and just start making bodies everywhere all the time, making them big. And uh, it's a re it's a, the reason I have like Smash the Smithereens in my sideboard and in the green base decks I've been trying have Destructive Reverie. So it's an affinity deck. It it's, plays almost exactly like the Hardened Scales affinity decks in Modern right now, which that deck has, hasn't been doing that well, despite being at a Pro Tour not too long ago. Um, it's it's pretty hard to attack through it. I think it, it, it starts off pretty slow, but it makes so many bodies, it, it's just really defensive at the beginning, and then just takes over at the end. In my experience, it's this deck so far... If you're trying to get damage across the board through the ground, it's not happening. Uh, these hardened scales decks are, like you mentioned, very good with animation module making a pile of servos, hanger back walker making a bunch of blockers. Now, admittedly, those ones fly, but it is a lot more difficult for them to sort of sacrifice that hanger back walker and get those uh, flying thopters. And you, you, the big card you lose is heartbound ravager. You don't have the same ability to kind of stack individual creatures really tall well you, you're playing what things. like evolutionary leap no I, I haven't seen anything like that you it, basically the the versions that i've seen so far you lean heavier into the plus one plus one counter scene okay so you have uh access to winding constrictor as an additional copy of hardened scales you're playing nissa voice of zendikar as an additional method of putting counters on creatures and i think that you're this deck is a little bit more interested in going wide and stacking and stacking counters on creatures going wide like mm -hmm. animation module has consistently looked like a more and more important part of that deck to me because you're just really trying to take advantage of steel overs here and voice of zendikar mm -hmm. and, and the activated ability on animation module has been relevant as well yeah and but i think that that activation ability has been relevant on in, in modern already yeah like it, it sees play in lower numbers in modern but again like this deck is much more capable of going wide than the modern version of Hardened Scales because it's a, it's kind of forced to. Mm -hmm. Is it a deck? I, I think that deck is very powerful. My 
and I think if you want to see a deck that potentially invalidates like the mid-range decks of the format, that's that's the deck. This is sort of the aggressive deck the mid-range decks can't grind through for the life of them. Uh, my worry is more on the side of, you know, how interactive can this deck be? Because you have Walking Ballista. Walking Ballista is a fantastic way of, of controlling the board. But when your all of your creatures are so dependent on hardened scales or Nissa Voice of Zendikor or Winding Constrictor Activations, then you don't actually have a lot of room for, for spells. You're very much forced to be a, a have a very creature-oriented game plan mm -hmm. to take advantage of all these uh, sort of bonus effects between Hardened Scales and walk and Winding Constrictor. That's fair. I mean, you could just jam, like, Dramokas Command. That's, that is a common one. I've yeah. seen Dramokas Command. But I think that you're playing those in smaller numbers. So, like, if I was to, like, make a bro very broad statement of the format in general, if you're not playing a red deck, you're playing very little removal, and that's specifically because the removal is sort of a little bit inefficient against most of the format. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're... Trying to play a white control deck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Declaration Stone or... Uh, yeah. Seal real... away? Yeah. Again, pretty, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it gets it's... pretty dicey pretty fast. Yeah. The, it's pretty rough. Yeah. The, the list that I've seen that people have been posting for 5-0 mm -hmm. um, have had uh, Abrupt Decay in the sideboard and usually one or two Thoughtseize Bane. Uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, and yeah. you know what? That brings us to like transition. <laughs> Playing you guys like a fiddle. Uh, the the best interactive spell in the format is Thoughtseize. Yeah, I think um, if Brainstorm defines Legacy, I think Thoughtseize might define this format. I I, I, I don't think it's gonna see like the thing with Brainstorm defining Legacy is that everybody plays blue. Okay, that's a fair point. Yeah. Now, or everybody being well. You know, a very high percentage. Of but I, I can't think of a reason that you wouldn't play Thoughtseize if you were playing black. I I think some of the black combo decks can avoid it. Like, it depends. I, we'll you get don't it think they run it in the sideboard? <laughs> oh, they'll run it in the sideboard. Yeah. yeah. But it, I, it, I think it, it's, it's going to be less ubiquitous than Brainstorm. Okay. Uh, is it still the best, like, interactive spell in the format? Absolutely. Like, I think this is a card that is going into, you know, every... Every deck that's trying to interact in this format is pretty much pushed to be black because of Fatal Push and Thoughtseize mm -hmm. as some of the only fairly efficient avenues of interaction, and then some of the only other slightly less inefficient, you know, methods of interaction is Abrupt Decay and Assassin's Trophy. Like, if you're playing an interactive deck in this format, you're basically playing green-black, mm -hmm. and that's what made this Saltai deck form, is because if you're playing green and black and you want to interact, let's put Oko on our deck. Yeah. I think that's, like really what defines that specific archetype so one of the decks i've been working on and i am not much of a brewer i am i got good ideas gotta put them down but i think red black in a like sort of mid-range deck with like young pyromancer thoughts sees and that cheap red interaction yep. is definitely a, a deck that you can build and you have stuff like Kalidus and has red as big haters near yep. the end of the curve and i with like uh colgan's command as well i think that is a shell that need that's going to show up i can completely imagine it and you know what i'm gonna my uh my long bomb list card because I, I don't think we have to talk too much about thoughtsies it's clearly great no, and it's yeah, gonna yeah. be all over the place uh, and in the realm of young paramancers one of the most powerful cards we have in this format is monastery mentor 
Oh, yeah, I, I think we I, don't have enough cheap enablers. Well, the problem is, we, no, the thing is, like you have we, no cantrips. If you think about specifically black, and we do have cantrips, but they're red. <laughs> Crash through, baby. Warlord's Fury. Uh, and, yeah, I, I mean, the renegade cantrips, tactics. Not, not, <laughs> I, that involves my opponent having creatures in play. You can target your own creatures. Sure, somebody has to have creatures in play. <clears throat> but basically the thing is, is Monastery Mentor is very similar to Young Pyromancer. Right? in terms of like what it's trying to do but it dodges fatal push which i think is one of the stronger cards in the format mm-hmm. and if you if you're attempting to play a spell oriented red black deck i think it's likely worth it to stretch your mana into white to play monastery mentor and to unlock some sideboard cards of the format like crackling doom crackling doom you know what i've seen boggles this floating around so if you told me crackling doom was a reasonable cyber card i believe you but you have access to rest in peace Mm-hmm. You also gain access to Deafening Silence, a card that I've started to see crop up a little bit in sideboards as an answer to some of these fairly degenerate combo decks. And the Prowess deck as well. And the Prowess deck as well. That you actually have some fairly reasonable options out of white. And Monastery Mentor itself is, an ultimately, it is a very powerful card. It's just like, you know, it hasn't had a home in modern for so long. These formats, again... Perhaps the quality of inexpensive spells is a bit lower, but I think that the quality of interaction is also quite a bit lower. Hmm. And so, again, for example, we've talked, I mentioned earlier, like Wild Slash and Shock are some of the premier removal spells of the format. If your opponent plays a Monastery Mentor and leaves one mana open, how hard is it to try and fire a Shock at that versus, you know, a Young Pyromancer? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that, that card specifically, I, I think is going to see play in more decks going forward, but for now, I don't I don't think anyone's really in that It has not made a splash so far at all. It has not, but no. I think that in terms of like cards I think could eventually be format-defining, it is a threat that lines up fairly well against the commonly played interactions of the format, and it's undeniably a independently powerful card. Like, it is this card, or I, I shouldn't say independently powerful, but this card requires very little of you to be very strong. No. You just have to be willing to cast non-creature spells, and I don't think that I think that's something to pay attention to. Yeah, and it is a wedge color, so we you, we get to one of my uh, honorary, less honorary mentions because uh, the Kaladesh Fastlands. Okay. I think that's going to define the format until something else changes because that is the best mana fixing we have in the format. Like the Shocklands are in every color. But it's going to drive people into wedges for three colors. I, I, I feel like you can just play any mana base you want with shocks and uh, checks. No. You know what? I will. Okay, one thing I will comment to the extent of this, and this is something you'll see this popping up on Twitter. People are talking about this. There is a, an incredibly gigantic difference between the enemy colored mana and the allied colored mana in this format. Allied colored mana is atrocious when compared to the enemy colored mana of this format. Yeah, because well, last week me and Brett were talking, and he was just raving about a Tarkus command. So I yes. I went home and built a deck with a Tarkus command in it, and I found that I was dying because I had so many of my lands to enter tap. Because for red green, you have the shock land, you have the check land, and you have the shadow reveal land. Correct. And that's that's. It's it. until you get to enter the battlefield tap lands. Correct. So the allied color, yes, <laughs> yes. the difference between the allied But have you considered playing mana, mana confluence? That is my... 
So <laughs> I've been like pretty like uh, my cards aren't ordered. I've, but I've, I've got my back burner cards here. Mana Confluence, one of the best. Secretly going to be a big land in this format, I think. Because any three-color deck without fetches, without alternative fixing, if you're trying to be a three-color aggressive or combo deck or something where you fundamentally believe that your life total isn't at risk, I suspect four Mana Confluence are going to end up your deck. Uh, you know, you don't have to just take my word for it if you want to hit the, the MTG stonks for a minute. Uh, this card has gone from 6 tickets to about 30 on Magic Online over the next last couple days. and It's worth noting the date of our recording is October 26th, 2019. Yeah, but that, that type of an, of an incline, and particularly like that, it hasn't followed in paper at this moment either. That's a card that I expect might will be might be very expensive very soon because it's from a set that wasn't commonly opened. And if you're looking at some of the... Oh, uh, that, that set's dog shit. Yeah. There's nothing good in it. There's one card that's good. Mana, Mana Confluence? Confluence? Uh, I was going to say uh, Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Okay. No, but that's going to reprint it. Long and short of it, though, like, again, so keep in mind that I, I guess to quickly backpedal to the, the Mana con Conversation... So we just talked about that. Ally mana is shocks, checks, reveals. Right. Right? Enemy colored mana, you have shocks, you have checks, you have fast lands, you have pain lands. And you have man lands. And you have man lands. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like not interested in lands that come to play tapped in this format, but like I'm... Like the, the, I understand. Like I, I am because like in my heart of hearts i will I, never I think stop like, playing control i think like yeah. the um the black white one is probably the one that i think will probably see the most play just as a like yeah, sure hedge to aggro i think that's reasonable i i think again like one of the only decks that can kind of afford to play these lands are these salty aggressive decks i think both salty man lands is like okay i can imagine you one and one or like yeah. maybe two and one or something like that you have a, a small split but i uh I don't expect this to be too, too many man lands. Alrighty, so, kind of staying on the um, topic of, of mana, how do we feel about um, Aether Hub slash energy decks in the format? Amongst my final hidden cards we have yet to discuss, Aether Works Marvel. This yeah, is one of the on my few, list. This is one of the few combo decks that I have played against and I do feel has legs. Essentially, turns out that Marvel Activate on 4 is good enough. Yeah. I think that people are... What are people casting? Emrakul, Ulamog. Ulamog is back, right? You have access to, so, to, you know, six to eight copies of the big Eldrazi. Mm -hmm. Exiling two permanents is going to end the game. It's a 10-10. Swinging with a 13-13, also pretty like, good. Sure, yeah, there, there is Teferi in the format. There's a huge problem for this card. Yeah. Oko can can keep you to one activation. Some people are playing main deck of Raid. Some people are playing main deck of Raid, but I think that these decks, the way they're constructed right now, the way they look in my mind and how I see this, this is a deck that casts Aetherworks Marvel, activates it once immediately, and that's game. Mm -hmm. If they don't whiff. Because that's my experience with playing against that. I've played against the deck once, they whiffed game one, and uh, they just hit a puzzle knot, went to do it the next turn, uh, they were in an awkward situation where they didn't have. They were one energy off, trying to get their own permanent to die, yeah. and just couldn't get there. And game two, they they 
played Marvel and I killed them. So. But I think by the numbers, they're going to hit more often than they're going to whip. Yep. And that's good enough. Like, yeah. I, you don't have to... The more I've seen it, the way it's constructed, these people are just playing every single creature that generates energy. Every single... Like, Woodweaver's Puzzle on Aether Hub. And you're just stocking up six energy before you cast Marvel. You are not relying on Marvel Death Triggers to generate energy. I, the list that I was playing against, I think, had some really uh, interesting tech with the uh, uh, Delirium Enabler, the green Delirium Enabler. Vasal Anessency. Vasal Anessency, which I think is a play at them having Emrakul in their deck. Sorry, are you guys trying to say Vessel? Vessel of Nascency. I couldn't remember the name of the I card. I said Vassal, Vassal of Nessency. I know, but... <laughs> Unreal. I was just going to gloss over it. Thanks for calling me can't, out. Can't say Bivouac, can't say Vessel. And again, <laughs> why are we in the Bivouac? It just doesn't make any sense. I'm leaving uh, this in. Of course you are. <laughs> I, I, I think that these Marvel decks can can fire once. I, I'm quite a bit lower on Teferi than other people are. Really? Yeah. I think that... Again, this deck, this this format is fairly Smash Mouth. You know, like, there are a lot of all-stars. It's all stars. about all-stars. <laughs> a lot of all-stars. A lot of creatures of haste. A lot of shocks floating around. Like, I don't want to cast Teferi and bounce your one drop. No. You know? I just don't want to do that. Like, with all the red decks, you're just, like, walking on the sun, just trying to get, get somewhere. I, like, 30, <laughs> I was only 30% that was on purpose. Like, but, uh... Okay. Speaking of aggressive decks, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit with my Uno numero. Can't believe we haven't talked about this one yet. Smuggler's Copter. Hello. I'm I didn't put this on my list for one reason. Goes into every aggressive. You deck. forgot No, no. Like I don't think it defines the format because you put it in every deck. That's defining. <laughs> That's defining. No, because you just build other decks and put it in there. It doesn't change your deck at all. I think it's a two of in every aggressive deck at least. I think it's just four of every aggressive deck. I I mean, the thing is, you just never actually want to draw multiple copies. No, because you just you, you can just lose away. away. Yeah, so <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. So going back to Frontier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All of the red decks were playing Force Smuggler's Copter because sure. it's just good. When you run out of gas, you're like, oh, I drew a mountain. Okay, crew my Smuggler's Copter, discard my mountain. You don't oh. have to convince me why Smuggler's like, Copter is Card is insane. I think Smuggler's Copter just goes straight into it all flies? these decks. One of the other things, a big advantage that I talked a little about, how all these red decks are prowess-based, it's a perfectly acceptable two-drop. Trigger prowess, attack for two. Yeah. Yep. Right? That, that is something these decks are interested in doing. It, it ticks all the boxes. It's one of the reasons I have not seen any control decks. I haven't seen any Wraths, basically. Because it's just impossible to Wrath people. If every aggressive deck has vehicles kind of kicking around, what are you doing with... what? Like, what is Deafening Clarion doing? What is Supreme Verdict doing? If there's just a Smuggler's Copter in play, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Um, the, the, like, I know we don't like to talk about bans in the format, but it is one of those cards that people are talking about. Because it is one of those cards that is just so ubiquitous. Yeah, I think, gonna, I think we should wait, you know, yeah, I, three to six months before I mean, we start. Yeah. No, we're going to get some bans very soon. Yeah, actually. like three months. No, no, no. Like, Sooner. Have you not seen the Twitter announcements? No. They're going to ban aggressively and off-cycle, and they've got... Oh, and off-cycle. <laughs> I missed that part. Okay. Yeah. That is that is a public announcement. They're banning aggressively and off-cycle. There is a PTQ on Magic Online every Today. single week. Nope, not today. 
They're, they're... Start, the first one starts next week. Oh, okay. Sorry. So there's going to be a PTQ every week on Friday starting next week. Okay. I think that we're going to have a, a card targeted like by the end of next month. Yeah. And okay. the three months also, there is four GPs in the beginning of Q quarter one next year yeah that are pioneer and we have two the pro tours one of the pro tours the expectation and this is borderline but the first one but, but they've more or less come out and said that they expect to have a ban a somewhat defined ban list before the first pro tour okay like they're going to be policing this one hard i don't know what that means i don't know where we're going to go with it but it is really interesting that they've gotten out ahead of this and said yeah we're going to come down hard on cards if we start seeing any kind of dominance that's fair uh on the topic like i'm gonna pivot away from our top 10 cards for a yeah, second yeah. yeah go ahead if you had limited funds and you wanted to get into this format mm -hmm. what are your top three buys whatever your shock lines are for the colors you want to play yeah um honestly so if you want me to like we're going to hit the depths chart for a minute. Uh, we're going to talk about cards that I've been playing the last day or so, a couple days, is Arclight Phoenix. I think that Arclight Phoenix strategies, this is somewhat dependent on whether or not Treasure Cruise gets axed, but the actual cards that go into Arclight Phoenix strategies haven't spiked to the extent that cards that go into other strategies have, which is somewhat relevant. Like, you're, you're, these, these cards are quite a bit less expensive. Um... If you are worried about bans if, and you still are looking for like a less expensive deck, you just fire off into the Red Prowess decks. Mm -hmm. like the, the only card that has significantly risen in price, but, and again, this is basically just because it's the only real rare creature, is Soulscar Mage. Um, Soulscar Mage and Smuggler's Copter are both taken off in price. Well, let's, but, let's talk about Soulscar Mage for a second because it is in the Challenger deck. Yeah. Every store... The other thing with Soulscar Mage, it does see played modern in the, those red prowess decks. Yeah, but I think like yeah. the scarcity of Soulscar Mage is but, insane to me. Functionally, uh, it's not scarcity. But the card, the pro the card is more expensive than it was. But again, if you want to build the, the red prowess deck, ultimately your spells are not horrifically expensive. Like that, that is the if your budget options because this is a deck that if you, especially if you choose to play the like a true mono red version, mm -hmm. you can play 20 mountains. Like, you know, yep. so yeah, you, like, you know, and that is a huge cost saving. And it's fairly safe from bends. Yeah. Like this is a deck that's not going to get hurt too much. Cause I mean, maybe you lose smugglers copter or something, but ultimately that's the core of your game plan. I can't imagine is getting touched. Okay. So speaking of red cards, I think two cards that right now their price doesn't affect how powerful they are in this format are, uh, the Rampage and Ferocidon mm -hmm. and uh, Goblin Chain Roller. Okay. Sure. I've had so much success. I don't think Chain Roller is a main deck card, but I've had so much success bringing it in the board and just wiping out tokens or X1s and or just making combat a mess for my opponent. I mean, you don't have to convince me. You don't have to twist my arm to put Goblin Chain Roller in a Soul Scar Mage deck. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, that is was a powerful combo and is in standard. It's a way for your mono-red deck to out-muscle green decks or other creature-based mid-range decks to push through, you know, dopey one-twos with prowess. Uh, if, you know, if the red decks are able to 
do creature combat better than the more traditional creature combat heavy decks you know that that's very powerful right like so so chain willer soul scar mage that's a combination rampaging ferocidon there are a lot of random ways of gaining life i i think a rampaging ferocidon prevented me from getting 11 life like an hour ago mm-hmm. i had an opponent that couldn't block with their uh hanger back walker because if it i somehow got it to die they they're going to die to all the tokens it makes yeah. okay so yeah ramp, like again the red decks have a lot of tools and like you mentioned like the red the red decks were in tier one of standard for the last five years and now you get to play the greatest hits collection volume one or volume two really i think we've got a full double-sided album here yeah so I, and yeah I, i'm just uh i'm buying mana yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna tell you right now i will either own or have ordered for mana confluence before this day is over yeah i'm because, uh i'm going to be heading to the store yeah i will be as well at some I point today uh, <laughs> potentially yeah like let, let me know i don't know if, the, if i don't know how many you can find locally or what's going to yeah. happen but again uh the specific indicator and you know i could look like an idiot in a few weeks who knows but uh in paper, they've gone from roughly $20 to $25 over the last week. Because mm-hmm. the card's been $20 for ever. A long time, yeah. yeah. It's essentially been $20 forever. And then on Magic Online, it's gone from about six tickets to about 30 in the last couple days. And for Magic Online, like I just bought all, almost all my mana base. I yeah. didn't buy Confluences, but I bought almost all of my man, yeah. mana base on Magic Online. And the whole thing cost me less than 100 bucks. Oh, The fact that those are 30 ticks a piece is blowing my mind i mean i'm very fortunate that i recently was playing some mana confluences in my dredge deck and i bought them because they were six tickets instead of the 14 of city of brass Mm. so i mean if you ever want to hit like a kind of a strange leading indicator you know that's stumbled into that one Mm. and that's a that's a card i i would be picking up right away just in the sense that the worst case scenario is it falls back to 20 from 25 the but the potential savings of if this card goes from 25 to 60 right is is certainly up there so we are getting to the end of the podcast here uh, you've talked about your dredge deck um i'm going to put in the description links to all the deck lists um either photos or actual things we've talked about so far sure yeah um nick yeah you haven't played the format yet no. If you, right now you had to pick up a deck, what are you picking up? Esper Dragons. Esper Dragons? Yeah. I'm an animal. I, I hate myself. I'll play control in any format. So my, my real question to you, you're playing the Silmagar Scorn all, and like Big Dragon Sand, probably uh, Ojitai. Um, what other Planeswalkers are you filling, filling that role or what other interactive spells are you filling that role? In that I don't role? know. I like... I was talking to Brad about this yesterday, but I'm I'm a fan of Hero's Downfall. Uh, you get Absorb, which is nice against the aggressive decks. Yeah. Um, Selimgar Scorn is a pretty good counterspell. I mean, people are one of the most popular played counterspells right now is Sensor. So yeah. if you can make the mana work, Selimgar Scorn yep. is probably pretty good. You get Thoughtseize, you get Fatal Push, you get. Um... I've also seen the X spell from. Uh, that 
if it counter or X and a blue if it counters Syncopate. it X out. Syncopate. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Syncopate's like another option in the format. But yeah, and then like in the sideboard you get a bunch of cute stuff. You yeah, get yeah. Uh, rest in peace. You get um, oath of Kaya. Oath of Kaya. You get virulent plague if that's ever relevant. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of options for sure. And and again, we were talking about how control decks need to be able to turn the corner relatively fast. And Dragon Lord Ojitai is... Room, room. Yeah, it, it hits the gas, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to probably say that's the end of us for today, and uh, we will see you again soon to talk about this format we love. I'll probably have played it by that point. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. All right.